Welcome to episode 33 of Chew on This, a Nerds United podcast. I'm BJ. Vic. All right, well, we have a special podcast. We're doing a little intro here because we have John Marcotte from Heroic Girls website. And what that website is, is something that we're kind of all about right now, um, bringing diversity to to all these geek and nerd things that are going on. And John specifically deals with um, with female empowerment in the superhero geek nerd realm. And uh, uh, he agreed to do this interview a while back um, when we actually did the expo, but um, we had some unforeseen circumstances and we actually got a full hour, a little bit over an hour with him actually. Um, And we actually wanted to wait to release the podcast uh, for this week because Ghostbusters is coming out and you can't get much more of a shit storm on diversity and and female empowerment in this geek nerd realm than, than what is happening to Ghostbusters. Yeah, there was a lot of controversy uh, when that movie was first announced that it would be four female leads, which I we didn't, I didn't have a problem with it. I thought that's that's a co- really cool change, especially um, with the four women that they got too. I mean, they're probably the oh, four man. funniest women out there right now. So, and especially the director yeah. they got. I mean, that guy knows how to direct comedy. So, um, you know, there's a lot of things going on here with you know the most hated trailer on YouTube, which is or the most hated video. It's it's kind of ridiculous. Because of the history of this, you know, the director and the, and, the, and this cast, I'm going to hold judgment until I see the movie this week coming out. So, you know, I hope everybody enjoys this this podcast because we go into we go into a lot of depth about all kinds of diversity, not just females, but we do concentrate on Ghostbusters quite a bit in this one. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, he's a really, really cool, knowledgeable guy. I mean, I think he has girls uh, like you do. Yep. And so this is a this is a really good uh, podcast for all you guys out there that that have daughters or uh, are really for uh, more diversity in nerd and geek culture. And even 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 more so, uh, why makes this special? John is actually going to see Ghostbusters with me. Uh, this week because you are actually not going to be <laughs> on the podcast next week to review Ghostbusters. Yeah, so, it's going to be very odd. I'm going on my honeymoon a month later, but um, it's going to be very interesting listening to you guys while I'm in Hawaii on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> you guys podcast about Ghostbusters. Uh, I'm so pretty sure. I'm pretty sure if your wife finds out that you're listening to a podcast while you guys are in, in Hawaii, you're going to get a shitstorm. Yeah, well, I might have to like uh, go jogging on the beach, you know. Have yeah, some fake, sound in my fake ears, jogging but... for about you know forty five <laughs> minutes to an hour. Jogging, <laughs> <laughs> just rent a cabana, and sit there for an hour. Yeah, just run by oh, run was, by the pool for run by the pool for five seconds, just splash water in your face and shit, and make it look like you were running. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, that'll be really interesting. But it'll be a treat. It'll be a treat to, like, sit this one out and listen to you guys. Um, and then I'll be back the following week for some more goodness. All right. So we hope you guys enjoy this interview. And um, stay tuned next week for uh, a special Ghostbusters review with John Marcotte. All right, guys. Enjoy.
uh, John Marcotte to the table. That was your introduction. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, because you said we can't it, we can't do an intro until later. So well, that's all my... right. So so we have John here. He's he's on. He's the founder, right? The founder of yeah. Heroic Girls. Um, he's got two daughters like me, um, and he's probably just as annoyed and as bothered um, by the fact that women, uh, the way women are being represented in Hollywood and nerd and geek culture, which I was too. But I didn't feel that way when I didn't have two daughters. So when I was trying to find you know things for my girls to wear, yeah. to play with, I was like, what the hell? How come there's nothing here for girls to play with? Everything right. is pink and purple, like your daughter said in the panel yeah. on Sunday. So um, if you could tell a little bit about what Heroic Girls is to our sure. listeners and how it came about. Uh, sure. You know, I, I, uh, Heroic Girls is an organization that I founded to... Uh, promote like geek culture for girls as the good thing for girls and for women to get involved in geek culture. And, uh, you know, I have two little girls and they picked up all my bad nerdy habits. They love comic books. <laughs> they love, uh, comic book, uh, superhero television shows and movies. Uh, and, you know, we read the Hobbit together when they were barely old enough to understand what was going on. So yeah, they love all that stuff. Just the same way I did when I was a kid. And as a parent, uh, much like you said, as we were getting, as they were getting older, you would try to buy them a T-shirt and you couldn't find anything. Or if you could find uh, a shirt, they, it was Wonder Woman, and they, and they would go, you know, Wonder Woman doesn't wear pink and purple. Why is it pink and purple? <laughs> and because my kids were purists at a young age, they've already got geek snobbery. Um, so I started writing a little bit about, you know, my experiences that way and got picked up by a couple feminist blogs. And then I wrote, I'm a Huffington Post blogger now. Uh, I did a TED talk on why superheroes are good for little girls. And then I guess the most recent thing was I uh, got a, I made 2016 He for She Champion for Change award recipient from the United Nations Women's Group, uh, the San Francisco chapter. And so I started uh, all that and I built a website just as a place to house all these different things that had to do with my girls and geek culture and it kind of built a community up around it. It, uh, we have a Facebook group now of, uh, 10,000 people, uh, mainly, uh, women and a huge chunk of them are just older women that also love geek stuff and just have found this as a place that they like to talk about those things. So we got, I'm weirdly, uh, at the center of this giant woman's movement for geek culture. <laughs> well, I think that's great because, um, when I saw your, the title in in the expo when we were trying to figure out who we should go after to interview, um, yours stood out to me. And again, because I have two daughters too, and I thought you were perfect for everything that I was experiencing because through my personal Facebook page, I would always shout out like, what the hell? I can't find anything. Like, yeah. And I'm sure like, um, uh, did you go see Star Wars with your, with your girls? Did. Yeah, of course. That's so, their Star Wars. They... I tried so hard to get them to watch. Of course, we didn't watch the prequels because I they they're horrible. But that's good parenting. That's right there. good parenting right there. Keep it away from. <laughs> but you know, I you know I started with Luke. I I have uh, illegally acquired the despecialized editions. You know, oh, restored yes, copy. Yes. yes, I have oh, those too. Yeah, you know, those are awesome. On shoots first in my version. It's uh, all been color corrected. Beautiful. There's no CGI dinosaurs wandering through the scene. It's all the way that I remember from a little kid. And I was so convinced that this was going to be a big thing for my kids. And it really wasn't. They just never grabbed them the way that it did me as a kid. But the first time they saw the trailers and things for uh, the new Star Wars Episode Seven, 
uh, they, they saw BB-8 and they saw Ray and they were there. They are so excited. They are so into Star Wars now. That was, you know, um, you know, Luke might be my Star Wars, but this is their Star Wars. And they're really, really excited and happy and into Star Wars culture now. This is what it took. Did you, so for me, uh, BJ's got all boys. Okay, so yeah. so he didn't have this, like, he, he still lost his shit when Ray got the lightsaber. But for <laughs> oh, me, yeah. for me, it was personal. Right. So like when that lightsaber went into her hand, Love and she find lost his shit because that could mean a lot of different things. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was I got well for me losing my shit was getting goosebumps and right. and and my heart pounding like right. like it was like oh, the only thing it could have been different was that like it was an Asian guy getting the lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it, it did feel like a a uh, transformative moment because I mean, have you ever seen the uh, supercut where they took the previous six movies and did every line of dialogue that a woman spoke that wasn't Leia? Uh, no, I didn't. They no. it on YouTube. No. It is like two and a half minutes long or something like that. I mean, <laughs> oh my from, gosh! From six movies, you know, right, right. you do the original tri- trilogy. I mean, I think Mon Mothma shows up, says two things, Aunt Brew's dead in five minutes, and that's it. <laughs> it should, I, I think La- I think Lando talks more. Yeah, you know, Lando definitely uh, talks more, and it's Holy a cow. Uh, uh, when you know you look at it. I think that's much more than having Ray as the main character, which I love and I think was great. And also, uh, you know, uh, having John Boyega as a main character, huge steps forward. Uh, but I think even more important than that was when Chewie got hurt, he went and the medic that helped him was a woman. And half the X-Wing pilots seemed about like they were women and just random people walking in the background. They previously star wars had created a universe where leia may have been the the uh only fertile woman in the entire galaxy <laughs> and now she was like smurfette yeah she was like smurfette and you know now it feels like the world is much more complete and much more real i mean you know when the world reflects the real world a little better even when you're talking about this high fantasy concept it uh makes it feel more believable now you look around in the star wars world and you go okay, there are men and women and different races, and the different races aren't just, you know, Wookiee and white. Uh, you know, there's... Uh, <laughs> so it having, you know, set that kind of thing up really helps the world feel more real, even when you're talking about a fantasy world. I think uh, the closest to Asian in the original trilogy was like Nim Nim what's um, that guy's Nim 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 it's Lando's co-pilot yeah. in in Jedi yeah, I know the yeah, one yeah exactly BJ that, I think that was the closest to like only action Asian. figure nerds are gonna know that one <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and I'm yeah. not making fun of them because I have my own nerd shit but that's not it <laughs> yeah yeah um BJ you had a couple things that you had to you wanted to uh, talk about with uh with John about too well I was I was curious about uh heroicgirls.com that's your website correct that is my website yes so I was curious to just like I, you kind of briefly talked about how that came about, but it, but talk about like um, how it's kind of grown. I mean, you said you've grown a community. Yeah. You've also have something on there called the Cookie Project, I believe. Um, <laughs> sure. And uh, is that something you know? What can people do out there to contribute to this cause, or uh, can you yeah. explain a little bit about that? Well, we um, you know I think you know the big direction that we ended up kind of uh, morphing into is kind of media criticism and toy criticism you know when they come out with a movie and have uh slighted women and minorities we call them on it and you know we started the uh 
Uh, whereas Ray hashtag campaign or one of the people that did start. <laughs> I, I take it back. Nice. That was Jenna Bush over at, at Legion of Leia, and we jumped on because she asked us to. But we did start the Where's Natasha uh, hashtag campaign when there were no Black Widow toys for Avengers: Age of Ultron. And, oh, cool. Um, so you know. Uh, that's the direction that we've moved in, which has attracted not only parents, but just women who are in geek culture. And one of the components, though, you mentioned the cookie projects, is we, we talk about being a hero in real life. That that's important, not just to read heroic stories, but to be a hero. So uh, this was something we were actually doing before the, the uh, Heroic Girls was even a thing, but we rolled it in there. Uh, every Christmas, uh, we get uh, dozens of people around town and bake thousands and thousands of cookies and put them in little bags and we we break up into teams and on Christmas Day we drive all over the city and deliver cookies to people who have to work on Christmas. And oh, we, wow. we look for the shittiest job. Church's fried chicken is open every Christmas and the people in there are oh. just I mean, let's be honest, it's miserable working at Church's fried chicken in the first you're not even the good fried chicken place. <laughs> you're like yeah, yeah. you're like you're like KFC, Popeyes churches and <laughs> so you're you're on the bottom of the char- the uh, fried chicken thing and every time you go in there there's nobody there and uh <laughs> so we try to find people that are just having miserable days we go to movie theaters um fast food joints people working at restaurants um grocery stores and just because you know they have to work on christmas it's kind of crappy we're going to spread a little christmas cheer so that's a, a thing oh, we've been so doing cool. like six or seven years now and, uh, you know, we, we were doing it before the Hero Girls, and then we decided, let's make that part of it. We can tell about, talk about being a hero in real life. And so that's one big thing that we do. Um, that's awesome. I don't know if you know this, but uh, BJ's Jewish, so none of that affects him. That is, <laughs> no. that's as, long, as long as it's kosher, yeah. <laughs> we got, got kosher cookies. I'll be all right. The, uh, like if I, if I was if I was slinging uh, if I was slinging like you know church turkey I'd, or church whatever church chicken, chicken. I'd, I'd, yeah. I would want you to bring me actual real chicken because that would make me <laughs> really happy. I think if you dig through the breading, eventually you do find real chicken under there. But right, right. no one's ever taken the time. Um, but <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, people have actually asked that. Said, well, what if the people are Jewish or you know, what if you know, I live uh, in South Sac and we're right next to uh, Little Saigon, and they're like, you know. There's all these pho restaurants, which are just freaking awesome. And we actually go to one every year, our pho restaurant, and deliver cookies. And believe me, I don't think there is a practicing Christian in that entire place. It's packed and nobody's going <laughs> no. to care this Christmas. And people no. are like, well, what happens then? I'm sitting there going, well, then you just did something nice for somebody. And it's not, you know, even if it's not Christmas, you still did something nice for somebody. Right. You don't, it's, this isn't like a, uh, you know, that somehow uh, you're, you're doing the wrong thing by giving somebody cookies if it's if they don't care that it's Christmas. It's still nice. So, you know, but, you know, in the fast food can- sector in particular, we find a lot of uh, recent Hispanic immigrants who and Christmas is a big deal to them. And they're stuck working at this crap job. Right. And, right. Uh, oh, yeah. So, you know, yeah. we've had people we've had people cry. We'll deliver cookies and there will be like, you know, grown women crying because they were having this crappy Christmas and somebody remembered them. So, you know, it makes oh, you feel wow. good. That's great. So, that's a so great, is there a way a to donate? Cause, there is a way. Well, you know, we, we haven't really ramped up for that. That's a Christmas project. No, so but like, is there a way to, to let people know and to check it out? Yeah, yeah. You should. Uh, well, I mean, follow us on Facebook. That's the, the biggest thing. That's where we do all our talking and everything. 
Um, if you want to talk about stuff we're doing right now, which we, uh, we just are ramping up our summer reading program. Uh, okay. we, we do that every year. If over the summer you read six graphic novels and write small, like, you know, two paragraph reviews, just kind of proving that you actually read the stupid thing yeah. uh, for each of them. Uh, you'll get a prize pack. You know, we get donated signed comics. You know, last year we got uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick and uh, Matt Fraction, the Defraction household, sent us signed copies of uh, Sex Criminals and Captain Marvel. And we we, did, we made sure we sent the Sex Criminals to an adult. But, you know, <laughs> uh, and this year, I'm trying to remember who we have. We have a signed uh, Captain Marvel number one from Kelly Sue DeConnick that's going to go in there. We got some, oh, Annie, right on. some Annie Wu uh, signed some postcards for us. She had postcard print arts that we picked up from her at WonderCon. Uh, and then we're, we're still getting more stuff in. Uh, we'll get it in all summer. But it's a way, if you have kids, you can encourage them to read over the summer, uh, actually do a little bit of writing and keep their mind active. But it's fun reading, you know, and, and yeah. it's, it's cool to write and talk about comic book stuff. And uh, and we also do it for grownups, too. And it is from heroic girls, but we don't discriminate on gender. More women and girls participate, but we send out, you know, prize packs to little boys and stuff, too. Uh, you know, we're not uh, discriminatory that way, but girls have a harder time finding material where women are protagonists and girls are protagonists. That's a little tougher. And that's why we kind of are doing this outreach. But certainly if you're a boy and you want to do it, that's, that's perfectly fine. You can, you can play along too. Have you, uh, have you found that, um, you know, the beginning movement of your, your website was, you know, girls and nerdy geek culture. Have you found more recently that diversity has been a major thing as well, not just girls. It's been more than well, that. Yeah. I mean, when we started, it was kind of narrow focused. It was, you know, the, the way that I got into this is talking about my experiences as a parent raising girls, you know, um, um, my wife is, uh, uh, well, I'm white. My wife is so white. She's practically translucent. We're just not, <laughs> we don't have, a, <laughs> we don't have a lot of personal experience to say about diversity. So it was hard to come from an authentic place. I could say, these issues that affect women affect me because look at my kids. These other issues, it was yeah. hard hard for me to start. No one wants to see the white guy up there talking. You know what black people need to do? You know, just that doesn't work really well. Right. So I, I feel the same way. Yeah. And so the it. Uh, but as we went forward, uh, you know, uh, the you know they talk about intersectional feminism. That's what that means. It's when you talk about feminism is you know women get picked on, and then if you're black and you're a woman, you get picked on way more than if you're you're white. Right. And the way that those you know type of things play together, we just can't ignore it. So yes, we have definitely uh, started talking more about race, about sexual orientation, a uh, little mm. bit about religion. You know, we like talking about Kamala Khan because she's freaking awesome. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, uh, all those things come into play. Uh, certainly our primary focus is on uh, kind of uh, feminism and, and issues regarding women. Uh, but, you know, like we just did an article on... Uh, uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, which is this great uh, all-ages kids book that stars a an African-American uh, high school girl who's a super genius and has a pet interdimensional Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> That's a mutant. And she <laughs> uh, it's an awesome, awesome book. And, uh, you know, so that was something uh, I do look for those stories, you know, even though I may not have something that I can personally say about it because of the way my family happens to be structured. Uh, we try to find things uh, that we were kind of pre-made stories that we can talk about to say, hey, here are some things that are happening. Um, you know, we did a meme when uh, Star Wars first uh, came out and was tearing up the box office. 
And I did a, you know, I found a picture of Boyega and uh, Daisy Ridley running, you know, the one with the explosions behind yeah, them. Yeah. Those. And I, I said that, you know, Dear Hollywood, a, a movie starring a black man and a woman is about ready to break all box office records. Maybe something to think yeah. about when you cast the next movie, you know. That, right, and, right. Um, and that went fairly viral, and it, I can always tell when it when it goes viral. And we had a, kind of like a million and something uh, distribution on Facebook for that, because oh, wow. once you start spilling past the borders of our my core group, is when you all of a sudden you hit like you know somebody in a men's rights activist organization will find it, <laughs> and all of a sudden the trolls will just come swinging from the trees, and right. there's nothing you can do. I mean, you know they uh, they want to argue, and they're they're you know they're not interested really in what you have to say they just want to sit there and fight and wear you down so you just gotta ignore them yeah basically spew hatred mm -hmm. and that's a great segue because i wanted to talk about your panel which i did actually it was one of the very few panels i was able to attend on sunday's expo yeah. um um but the I'm reason why we're able to get a seat <laughs> <laughs> I, I was glad I was able to go because of, of again the subject matter because it, it is important to me right. again being the father of, of two girls and but what I thought was great about your panel was that it wasn't just about the girls you you, you definitely that was the, definitely the main focus like you said right but you definitely switched it into diversity as a whole right and not just that so there's a couple of things I want to people who couldn't make it I want to just kind of talk sure. about the things that you weigh. Are you going to grill me on the Mandarin again? <laughs> no, no, but that's part of it. <laughs> All right, let's um, go. But the first thing you, you started with was, was Gamergate. And I don't think yeah. a lot of people understand or know what that is. And probably our listeners might not know. So if you could just briefly talk about what Gamergate was sure. and how, how messed up it actually it's, is. It's really hard to explain because when you explain it, it sounds so stupid. You can't believe it exists. <laughs> but uh, Gamergate started, uh, when there was uh, uh, this woman who's a uh, programmer, and that's ah, not Brianna Wu, I'm trying to remember the right uh, programmer who has uh, kicked off Gamergate. Um, uh, Anita Sarkeesian's the other one, Brianna Wu, and oh, okay, I'm going to blank on the name, but uh, there was a, a female programmer who wrote this game called Depression Quest, uh, which won a lot of artistic awards for innovation in video games. She'd written this text-based game that was supposed to... Uh, simulate what it's like to be suffering from severe depression it is not a game oh, obviously wow. not obviously not a game that is going to like you know topple doom from the sales charts it was more of an art game you know to, so to speak it's a, it's a proof of concept an interesting idea there are certain people that you know thought it, and so it won some awards on those basis and it got mentioned favorably a few places um, she had a boyfriend who uh, from all accounts seems to be psychotic and they broke it off and he pursued her for a little while, and when she wouldn't get back together with him, he wrote this big treatise and posted it in several places on the internet, uh, detailing her sex life and posting nude photos of her, and saying she slept with five different people in the in the uh, gaming industry uh, uh, media in order to get positive reviews for her game. That she was sleeping with people. He named the reporters that had slept with her for her to get positive reviews on a game that, might I add, she's giving away for free. <laughs> so uh, so here's what, here's what happened next. What happened next is that everybody who was, it went like wildfire on the internet. The man babies on the internet who feel that women are stealing everything that's holy for them from them went crazy because this is the proof they needed, that social justice warriors uh, have co-opted the media and that games that they don't like, the only reason that they get written about or that anybody buys them is because 
of this social justice agenda, not just that other people are entering the market and they like different things than they do. Um, so they went nuts. And then reporters, other reporters started checking on this. And the five uh, people that he said she slept with in order to get positive reviews, uh, none of those reporters wrote reviews of her game at all. There were no reviews. And in a sane world, that should have been the end of Gamergate. But it didn't matter that, you know, because it's not about uh, any real wrong. It's about their feeling of oppression and hatred. Uh, they just morphed into other things. She had death threats. Uh, she had rape threats. The most vile things that you can possibly man imagine were directed at her. They they swatted her, you know, where they sent uh, police uh, to her house uh, saying there was a bomb threat. Um, they did all sorts of awful things to her. And so she had to actually move and, like, go underground to hide from these people. And then other... Uh, other people got sucked into this as well. Brianna Wu was one. Anita Sarkeesian, who's a, who writes Feminist Frequency, which is a uh, YouTube channel uh, where she does media criticism. She had written some things saying, you know, there's misogyny in gaming culture. You know, she would say, like, hey, Grand Theft Auto is a great game, but the stripper thing, I mean, come on, guys. It's a little bit out there. And it wasn't like she was saying, burn all yeah. the copies of Grand Theft Auto Five. She's saying, let's just talk about that. You know, if that's the kind of culture we're out there, if we're trying to bring women into gaming, which is what we say we're trying to do, is this a good way to go? Because there are other things we could do better. But, the, you know, uh, these guys get really upset when any of their, like, you know, uh, ideas get challenged. So, yeah, it, it, it morphed into this horrible movement that, that went, raged on for a year and a half or so, just where they're just tracking down any women that disagree with them on the Internet. And they, and they say it's about ethics in gaming journalism. That's what they came up with. But the point of fact was they really focused on attacking these three or four women, and not a single one of them was a, was a journalist. They were all developers and social commentators. You know, if she, if uh, that, you know, the woman really slept with five men to get those positive reviews, you should have been after those guys as unethical journalists. But they didn't care about them. They just wanted to trash right. this woman uh, for that. And you know, they they doxed her. They you know published home addresses. Um, Felicia Day, you know, Felicia, yep, yep. Uh, wonderful uh, uh, paragon of geek virtue, virtue, wrote a small thing on the Internet saying that, you know, boy, you know, before Gamergate, I used to just when I would see somebody walking down the street in like a Warcraft T-shirt or something, say, hey, it's one of my people. And, you know, I, I feel good. And now she yeah. said it gives me a little pause because there's all these guys out there doing awful things. And they went within half hour. They went nuts on her in the comment and someone had doxed her. They published her home phone number and her home address in there as if to prove, you know, they're, they're mad at her for saying that they do awful things. And then they did the awful thing that she was, you know, right. insinuating in the, in the thing. And, you know, any, they, uh, uh, they do the no true Scotsman thing. Whenever you try to pin them down, they say, Oh yeah, but those guys aren't real gamer. How do you know Gamergate guys did that? I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm sure it's just some guy walking by Felicia Day's blog and decided to do that. Um, it's just a massive misogyny and hate, and it was one of the most vile things to ever happen on the internet. They're still kind of active, but you know, just the, the fire burnt out. I think a lot of them have shifted their chips over to hating Ghostbusters now. So, <laughs> right. I mean, that's that's the that's the other half of it too. Is yeah, you know so much about it because that's the world that you live in too, yeah. um, and in the gaming world too. But even even on the mainstream media or mainstream gaming culture yeah they didn't really report on any of that stuff you had to actually read into it and actually want to learn more about it to know the the amount that you would know if it yeah. really bothered you 
And that's the that's the it's other tough. problem I mean, with I think, too. I think uh, you know some of the people that if you want to find out about Gamergate, you needed to watch like a John Oliver, somebody like that. Uh, you know, a comedian who has a hard news bent will actually dig in there and show you how awful it is because mainstream news is just not equipped to deal with these people, and they uh, they didn't like one of the websites that the, the, that supported the reporter and said he did nothing wrong, so they organized campaigns to uh, call. Uh, all the advertisers on the site and get them to yank their advertising. They tried to shut down the website by, uh, you know, brigading and, and calling Intel and saying, these guys do all these awful things and you got to pull your advertising. And they, they succeeded to a certain extent. Um, you know, that's the kind of thing that was happening. Anybody who tried to stand up to them, they would just try to smash in the most unethical ways you could possibly imagine. These guys that are so, you know, upset about ethics uh, we're trying to just silence anybody in in any way they could that disagreed with them, and it's an awful, awful movement, and it really shows the the hideous underbelly of the internet in a way that uh, uh, you know is kind of surprising. If you want to read the the real scoop, Wikipedia actually got it pretty much right, and then locked the crap out of the page because they were changing it every five minutes. But <laughs> uh, read the Wikipedia entry on Gamergate and and just be shocked and amazed at how awful people and uh, human beings can be to one another. So, um, if uh, hypothetically, if we were to sleep with four or five of all of our listeners, uh, that to boost uh, reviews or ratings that that would be a bad thing or a good thing. I mean, we're dudes. Well, because we're so, guys, I, I think what he's saying is because we're guys, it wouldn't matter. We'd probably be praised for it. <laughs> well, I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody would come after you for that, but yeah. uh, that, no. I think that's one issue uh, <laughs> for our one, free podcast. It didn't matter free. I mean, you know, they want to couch it in terms that they thought there was some, you know, ethical problem that happened there. But really what it comes down to is that they don't like the kind of games that are coming out. They don't like that games that are not oriented at kind of a 12-year-old boy mentality. Because, I mean, who does Duke Nukem, you know, games like that, uh, Grand Theft Auto, I play those games. They're, they're great games, but you got to admit they're a bit juvenile. And when people say, hey, what if we expand gaming in this way or we do this artsy game where there's no real objective and you just kind of wander around and some of those are kind of cool and it's it you're saying hey video games can be an art form they can do more than just you know kind of uh titillate so to speak and it's like if you know some art house movie like uh uh i don't know what's what's some like you know uh uh cruddy well not cruddy but like some uh you know, tower theater type movie. Uh, like uh, The English Patient? The English Patient. It's like yeah. if The English Patient came out and there were all these dudes with, with uh, you know, drinking beers and with their shirts off and lawn chairs protesting in front of it because they thought if The English Patient won an Academy Award, that meant that they would never make another Transformers film. You know, that's really what the Gamer <laughs> Gate is. They're, oh, my God, please, please, God, don't make another Transformer film. I'm with you like that. But, you know, that's what they feel is that if these artistic games – get attention and are say, and people say that they're good, they feel that somehow that's going to stop them from making giant blockbusters. Dear and that's Lord. just so not going to happen. You know, it, it's not. And yeah. this is what happens. You know, the, the geeks won, man. We have won. You know, it used to be that yeah. just, just, you know, uh, sweaty nerds that lived in their mom's basement liked this stuff. 
And now, <laughs> and now you know, the Avengers opens and it makes a billion dollars and half the audience is women. And they're saying, hey, we like yeah. this stuff too. And so now you have them in the room and you can't just be like guys who can't get dates, you know, you know stuff, that, <laughs> stuff that they like when, right. they're, when they're, you know, uh, uh, whacking off with a sock after they just played the last Tomb Raider. You got to expand <laughs> the audience a little bit. <laughs> and that stuff sells well, really fast too. I mean, you, you can't find a lot of original Ray figures anymore. No. Because when the Star Wars night hit for the toys, you know, Ray wasn't a huge deal. I mean, people bought her, but they didn't buy it. And, you know, she wasn't crazy. And then when the movie hit yeah. and realized who she was, if you had one of those first released Ray figures, you were making bank because Star Wars did not it's tell still you. in the box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, here's the thing is that, uh, you know, back in the 1970s, the toy aisle, when you went down it, there were, let's say there's 10 toy aisles in a store. Eight of them in the 70s would have just been toys that were good for boys and girls. They weren't labeled at all. And then there'd be like one aisle with some G.I. Joes and one aisle with strawberry shortcake or something like that. And that was it. Today, it's a 50-50 split. Half the toys are definitely girl toys and half the toys are definitely boy toys. I mean, if you want to buy like a ball to play with with your kid, there's a pretty good chance it'll either have a Transformer or a Disney princess stamped on it. You, they just gender everything. So action figures are a boy thing. You know, that's what they've decided. So they don't know, they've never proven that girls will buy action figure, uh, action figures. So when they came out with Ray, they said, well, the boys won't buy the girl ones and the girls aren't going to go in that aisle to find them. So nobody's going to buy female action figures. They, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy kind of. So that happens all the time. And if you're a parent, uh, like I am or, uh, or Vic is, you know, where you're saying, Hey, I have two girls and you go looking for that Black Widow action figure. Even if they make it, they make so few of them uh, that fat nerds camp out in Target and buy the things right when they unpack them <laughs> and go keep them in the box to keep yeah. them mint. Good luck getting one for a little kid to play with because yeah. they, that, that just doesn't happen. So, no. But uh, I think the dam has broken on that because DC did their DC superhero girls this last summer. Uh, they couldn't get... Like, I don't think the big toy distributors interested, so they made an exclusive deal with Target. There's only one store you can buy it at, and Target cannot keep them on the shelves. It's a line of female action figures and dolls centered around DC's female heroes like Wonder Woman and Supergirl and Batgirl. And uh, I mean, they're literally selling out all over the place. If you can find one of the Wonder Woman figures, eBay it. You'll, you'll triple or quadruple your money just easy. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, um, you know, I, I think, uh, in fact... I pretty much know that Marvel and Disney over there are looking at that going, okay, how do we do something similar? You know, that, that, uh, you know, uh, there are people in the industry that I've talked to that said, yeah, you know, Marvel's going to probably try to do something like that too. Um, so I think it's coming one way or the other. I think that's probably the only thing that DC is beating Marvel at right now. Yeah. Because I, you know, it was, I was really annoyed for the longest time. I couldn't find any Star Wars stuff for girls. Right. I couldn't find any um, Marvel stuff for girls, but I could always find um, Supergirl, Batgirl, yeah. even pajamas and stuff. Like, my daughter has Batgirl and Super uh, Supergirl pajamas and... But if and shirts, yeah. they always have the one woman shirts and and stuff like that well, you know, too. We, you know, we're sitting here and we're, we have these kids and we say our kids love this stuff. We need this stuff to be out there. So we we push and push for it. And they're they're saying we've never proven that this market exists. If they all of a sudden just did equity, there's going to be as the same number of female action figures as there are for boys. They could end up just taking a bath. No one would mm -hmm. buy the stuff. So they're being cautious, you know. And mm -hmm. that's the that's the the push and pull here. We got to keep pushing for them to do more. 
And as they do more, you got to buy it. And when it sells out, that says, okay, next time we're going to do a little more. It's frustrating when you're on the end where you're saying, I can't find the damn toys because you're not making enough. But I, I do understand that they're being you know, a little timid and they don't want to just go full bore into this market, you know, believing that our daughters are typical and that every every little girl is going to want this stuff. Well, I think it was yeah. frustrating. It was frustrating for me because me and BJ went to start the the previous Star Wars celebration. Yeah, and as you know, uh, because you know you should know because you're you're in this culture with us that Kathleen Kennedy, you know, is the president of, yeah. of Lucasfilm now, and she made it a point at the celebration to say, you know, you're going to get the female characters that you've been waiting for. Yeah. So yeah. when Star yeah. Wars came out. And Ray was the Ray was the Jedi. Um, It was great for me, but I was like, "Why is there no shit for the girls?" Well, I can tell you that's because uh, Kathleen Kennedy is completely right, and she's over there at Lucasfilm, and the toys are getting made and licensed from uh, Disney Consumer Products, which is on the campus, but it's about a mile away in a completely different building. And, you know, Kathleen Kennedy is not the one checking off and approving toys. It's, it's not her or J.J. Abrams. It's a bunch of people that are in charge of making toys. And, you know, a, a company like Hasbro, who has the license to make most Star Wars stuff, Disney makes a little bit on their own. Um, they have, if you go to their website, it's a, you can click, do you want a toy for a boy or a girl? And if you click on girl and then you type in Ray, nothing comes up. I think there's a My Little Pony that shows up because it has the letters R-E-A in it because Star Wars is, boy. Star Wars is boys. They don't consider the idea that girls would be into Star Wars. Still, that's today. So, you know, that's the mindset that you're fighting is, and, you know, and when they do it, they have a girl and a boy marketing team. So they hand Star Wars to the boy team and they're saying, we're selling to boys and boys don't want the girl action figures, so we're not going to make them. So it's, you, the whole system has to change. And then even if they made it, you know, when they go to the stores, the stores had div- divided the aisles to boy and girl. So where do you put something that's right. supposed to be for both? They don't have a place for it. It's, you know, it's a bunch of interlocking pieces and, and it's hard to get all of them pointed in the right direction to make things happen uh, at the same time. But, you know, I think we're slowly chipping away at it. I mean, stuff like DC Superhero Girls is going to be a huge step forward. The fact that it proved that there are tons of girls that have just pent up demand. They're like, God damn it, give us this stuff. And uh, it flew off the shelves. Uh, And I think we're going to see more. We're we're gonna see more. The clothing, I mean, at least, has really taken off. I mean, we saw her universe. Actually, I saw that I think uh, four or five years ago. Yeah, and then now it's it's pretty prevalent now at all the comic cons and the celebrations and all that. Yeah, her universe is great Um, stuff, but you need it in Target. My kid's never gonna go to a her universe. Well, actually, my kid will go to a her universe fashion show, but other people's kids are not gonna go to her universe fashion show. Hot topic. Yeah, yeah, I think hot topic. Yeah. Well, that kind of brings us to what's going on. Sorry, BJ. The the thing with her universe, which I love, um, all their stuff, like my my daughter has that awesome black Star Wars T-shirt with the letters made out of um, the lightsabers. The problem is the market is so small that I feel like her universe jacks up their prices a little bit. Well, they're a boutique. I mean, when you're Target or Kmart, you're buying... You know, right. hundreds of thousands or millions her universe when you're yeah. making smaller quantities and you're trying to make nicer shirts or nicer products that means the prices also go up and your profit margins have to be higher because you're not target you know so yeah, it, it, yeah it, that's true it's more expensive for them to buy they have to make more per unit they have to do everything mail order there's a lot of you know they don't have the efficiency of scale of being you know Kohl's or target where they're buying in huge quantities to drive it down so uh, 
her universe is great because you can get cool stuff that not every other kid in school is going to have. Or, you know, if you're a geek woman and you just want to wear something that is a little nicer than some crummy shirt that you bought for seven fifty at Target because it was on sale, <laughs> her universe is the place to go. Well, we've uh, we've talked about uh, your website a little bit. We've talked about gaming. We've talked about clothing and toys and all that. I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, movies right okay. now. All right. Um, like especially, especially, there's a few of them coming out in the in the near future. Uh, first one being Ghostbusters, and I can't believe um, that when that trailer came out, it, the amount of negativity toward it, and not even because I mean I had negativity toward it too, but not because of the women. I, I absolutely loved when I heard the the cast. I was so yeah. excited because the the director, the writer, the the cast are phenomenal, and yep. they've proven that before. What I was annoyed of was something completely different. It's just the fact that there's no continuity. It's just a complete reboot, and you know I was annoyed by that. I've I've explained all that before. Yeah, but all the negative all the negativity about. The females being the lead roles, I don't understand that. I, I well, think, it, it, well, go, try try to. So, can you? Do you have any kind of like? I'm sure you have some sort of insight or, or something that you can <laughs> maybe explain. Like, well, I why mean, is that? It, it's that same portion of geek culture that gave us Gamergate. It's the exact same type of thinking that women are somehow taking away things from men by entering these spaces that have traditionally been male dominated. You know. Uh, they st- the hatred did not start with the trailer. It started when they announced that it was a female cast. That's where it started, mm-hmm. and it was massive. And then when the trailer came out, they said, "Oh, look, we we can have a reason now." And then they, then they started nitpicking the trailer, uh, and yeah. and you know, and now a ton of them are you know, uh, about half of them are claiming to have seen some secret screening on the studio. I'm like, oh bullshit! You didn't see the movie. You're just, <laughs> you just know that the fact that you're Bandwagon. you're trashing a movie that you haven't seen is indefensible. Mm-hmm. So you have to lie and tell us that you saw it because that way your your opinion actually means something. Um, so yeah, I mean, Ghostbusters. Uh, you know what we hear is, oh, they're remaking a classic, and I'm just against that. You know, it's it's a great thing. I don't like reboots or remakes. I'm like going, well, maybe you should have said that when they rebooted Batman for the fourth time this last summer, <laughs> or Spider Man's <laughs> on its third reboot. Right. You know, and they, you know these and these are classic movies too. There are tons of reboots. I mean, the new Star Wars was a completely new creative team out of Lucas's hands. It could be seen as a reboot. And, you know, there there are all sorts of reboots that have happened here and there that didn't get this just, you know, fire and hell, uh, fire and brimstone from hell. Yeah. Uh, Ghostbusters, it's because they're women. And, you know, they don't they, they will not admit it the same way that Gamergate would never admit that it wasn't about ethics and journalism. It's that they they hated women entering their market. Uh, and, you know, so you'll hear a lot about how social I mean, if you read the comments under some of this stuff, you'll hear over and over again. Well, it's like it's a feminist plot. They think feminists have taken over Hollywood, which uh, ba- based on uh, the pay discrepancy <laughs> that women get in Hollywood, I would I would say is not the case. But they will they think that there's this giant conspiracy to force moral messaging in there because and what it comes down to is they don't think women are good enough to run to have earned the, the places in these movies on their own. You know, they want to say they're wow. not misogynistic, but that's really what it comes down to. It said there's no way that Melissa McCarthy could have gotten this movie just because Spy and The Heat and Bridesmaids were huge hits with Paul Feig, and she's a really funny woman. 
it has to be that you know social justice warriors are forcing them to put women in movies because we all know women aren't funny and women are as good as the men. And that's really what the message is, although they will deny it up and down the, the, the block. But that's what they're mad about. Right. And, you know, the fact that the hate started so far in advance before anybody had seen a frame of the trailer, it makes it really hard to take them seriously at this point. And it's the most downvoted uh, and disliked video in YouTube history. And it was, That's what you, I heard. You know, and they're saying, well, you know, it's just not a very good movie. I'm like, did you see the fucking Fantastic Four? And this is the, the most downvoted movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, and, or any like, Transformers movie. Any, yeah, Transformers movies are horrible. I'm glad that Michael Bay has finally found his, his niche, which is 12-year-old boys that like to see turtles talk. And I'm like, good, you guys go do that together. You know what's crazy is that he's not even directing that. Isn't he? Uh, no, okay. he's he's just a producer, and it feels like he got I, like a little Michael Bay Jr. to direct I, it. I, uh, I saw uh, what's it? What's it? Uh, Megan Fox interviewed one time, and she's actually a very nice uh, woman. I, I like her. She cannot act her way out of a paper bag, and I just feel bad when it's like I'm watching the uh, the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the new one out of the sewers or whatever the hell it is, and uh, and she's in there, and she's April O'Neil, and she does something, and then all of a sudden she's like, I better get in my hooker outfit, and she like ties the right. shirt up under her breast and everything. Right. I'm like, who the hell is this movie? for it's like horny 12 year olds that's what we're game to game right, for exactly I, I, I am baffled by it um yeah I, we i think for me for the for the ghostbusters movie i i started not liking the idea only because they were rebooting it and not continuing right the story well, that I mean, had been forever and this is before yeah anybody was cast in it well here was the, here was mm-hmm. the thing uh is that uh, they tried to get Bill Murray's to do Ghostbusters 3 right. for 30 years. Yeah, and he exactly. said no. And yeah. I mean, I argued with a guy on the internet that said that they wouldn't let them do Ghostbusters 3 with men and that Murray wanted to do it. I'm like, you are so full of crap. I'd so prove bullshit, it. I'm yeah. like, here's his interview in Variety. Here's another one. Bill Murray says no, don't want to do Ghostbusters 3. So, and the other guys didn't want to do it without him. And then, uh, you know, we had one of the Ghostbusters died. And it was just kind of over at that point. The guys did not want to get back together and to have like two Ghostbusters handing the torch over or something. It just, that was never going to happen. So, I mean, it's a perfect candidate for a reboot. Ghostbusters 2, honestly, was not very good at all. No, it was and not. It's a, no. Movie, it's a movie that's 30-something years old. There's no chance the original cast is ever going to get back together and, and do that. And so, you know... It's going to be a reboot in some fashion anyways. You could say, oh, these are the successors of the original Ghostbusters. I think I was okay with that because, because like you were saying with Spider-Man and Batman, it's almost like a James Bond to me with, yeah. with those characters where I feel like we're so new into the Marvel, the, the MCU, that eventually yeah. Iron Man and all these other characters will have to be you know recast or whatever. You know, James Bond has always been recast. And right. For Ghostbusters, it's one of those things where it was like a, an original property. It wasn't like yeah. 50 years of comic books. Right. And Ghostbusters was his own thing. And you're yeah. right. Ghostbusters 2 wasn't very good. Yeah. But Ghostbusters 1. Like was never yeah, to exactly. do it again. He didn't like Ghostbusters Because they 2 still never cleaned up the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, but Ghostbusters 1 was so good yeah. that it kind of makes up for how bad Ghostbusters oh, yeah. 2 is. Well, that's, and that's the thing. That, that's the lesson to learn. Is if this movie sucks, and I, I don't know. I haven't seen it. I'm not out there like saying, this movie's going to be the best thing ever. Right. I like Paul Feig and his work with Melissa McCarthy has been very funny up until now. I expect it will continue, but I haven't seen the movie, so right. I'm not going to sit there and, and that's how we are, too. Like, right. As much as I don't like the fact that it's a complete reboot, mm-hmm. my opinion about it has nothing to do that it's these right. women because, I mean, we've talked about it before where it was like, well, look at their history. 
Yeah. Look at these these people together in a movie. Right. Look at their history of how much money they've made in just comedies. But I, I want to go back to what you said there. You said, you know, Ghostbusters 2 wasn't very good, but the first one just made up work because it's so good. And you can just pretend the second one doesn't exist. We're in exactly this position. If this movie is hilarious, it's a great addition to the Ghostbusters canon. Right. If it's not very good, well, who cares? No one's going to force you at, at gunpoint to see I, it. I just, right, hope right. That, I just hope that the people that made the, the trailer just uh, – they're <sighs> – I don't know. The people that made the trailer are are not very good trailer people. At uh, least I, I hope so, because the gags and stuff that they do in the trailer are absolutely horrible. They're stuff that we've seen a million times, I and think, then and then part and then part of the trailer looks like uh, like they borrowed from the first movie. Which, if you're going to reboot something, do something completely different. Well, you know, I, don't you don't you know. Yeah. I think that they have some callbacks to the movie, but they have an original plot. And when they're putting the trailer out there, they're trying to appease fans and try to figure out what will get people in the theater. They're going to put a couple of those callbacks to the movie. I don't think it's going to be some rehash. I think we're in a whole different uh, area and space. Even the thing that looks like the Stay Puft, it's not him. If you take another look at him, it's it's something else. But, um, you know, so I think we're going to get a different Ghostbusters than we got before. Um, I have faith in the people and, you know, I'm just a big fan of let's just wait until the damn thing good that comes out before we break out the pitchfork and torches. I hated the, the teaser trailer. I didn't think it was very good. The newer trailer I thought was a little better. I do think it's hard to see the trailer with clear eyes at this point because of this massive amount of controversy right. around it that's built up. There's all this huge pressure that shouldn't be on there. Um, but I didn't think the trailer for The Heat looked very good, and I laughed my ass off on that. And I, and, and I actually got the opposite reaction from the two trailers. I didn't mind the first trailer. Yeah. I really didn't mind it. I didn't hate it. Yeah. I was just like, okay, that's kind of what I expected. Yeah. The second trailer had me a little bit worried because it was almost to me like they didn't do too much to fix the first trailer. But again, my argument for all of this hatred is how can you hate on something or the people that are in this movie that have been so successful at what they've done? And then you go out there and defend the shit out of Zack Snyder. (laughs) You know? So like, yeah, there's you're talking about people that shouldn't be allowed to reboot <laughs> so properties, me, right? Exactly. So me and BJ, like I, I said, BJ, and and at the end of the day, we are both in agreement that like they these people have a history of doing really good stuff. Yeah, I, I maybe see what the trailers suck. I have faith. I mean, Paul Feig is a guy that did Freaks and Geeks, one of the most brilliant TV shows that's been done in the past few years. His movie comedies have been uniformly good. Melissa McCarthy with him. The movies that she's done that I don't care for are the ones she goes off and does with her husband, who seems like a very nice man. But that's where you get Tammy, yeah, yeah. Tammy and I'm trying to remember what the other one are. The, the movies that you don't like from Melissa McCarthy are the ones she doesn't make with Paul Feig. When those two get in a room together, they elevate each other's game, and it's very, very funny. Spy and, was theirs, right? Spy was theirs, yeah. Spy was Spy, the fucking Heat, hilarious. Maids, so the three Spy that was one of the yeah. better, like, it, yeah. Spy, to me, was... Um, not a lot of people like this movie. I love Spies oh, Like no, Us. A lot of people like Spies. Spy did. No, I meant Spies uh, Like Us. Oh, Spies Like Us. And it reminded me of like a comedy action. Like not yeah. a lot of people like like Spies Like Us, but I I do. <laughs> oh, and I thought I still Spy the theme like song. Us. Hey, oh. what's all of us? Ain't nobody Spies <laughs> Like Us. <laughs> it's got yeah. one of my most. Yeah. It's got one of my most favorite lines or most ridiculous lines in in all of comedy. Is you got a tent? Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's it's when they're it's when they get into the the all the like the ninjas or whatever are surrounding them yeah. and he's and chevy chase in like deadpan serious looks at him he's like stop and i'll bring back the sun <laughs> i do remember that <laughs> also every minute you don't tell me what i want to know i cut off a finger mine or yours there's, there's a lot of funny i like to buy it like us <laughs> 
spy got <laughs> the so fast forward to Melissa yeah. McCarthy spy got yeah. me when the whole like they got Jude Law to be like completely ridiculous like yeah. opposite of a leading man like he's actually not as great and, oh, and uh, what's his face uh, handsome Rob there uh, uh, the transporter uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. J- Jason, Jason Statham. Statham yeah Jason Statham yeah. Uh, just cranking the Jason Stratham-ness up to like fourteen he was hilarious yeah, he was able great. to poke fun at himself great but so, yeah it's funny because spy was a but when you look at it, though, it's a woman that has been undervalued her whole life. When you look at it, she graduated top of her class, and they stuck her behind a desk, and she never even had an opportunity. And so she had lost all her self-confidence until she just had to do it. And then she's a badass. It was awesome. Right. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> yeah. Spy, if you haven't seen it, Spy is a great movie. Go out and watch it. Yep, so yep. good. Um, so uh, really quick, I want to discuss um, two movies combined because they kind of have the same issue. Sure. Um, and we've, we have dedicated a diversity issue to these to these two movies, yep. but I wanted to get your opinion on it um, is uh, Doctor Strange yep. and the Ghost in the Shell. And yeah. if you could really quickly just go over those two and your opinion about <laughs> what's going on with the, those movies. Um, you know, <laughs> Doctor Strange, but it, there were a couple interviews from the writer and things like that who said that, well, you know, we, we changed it so it was a woman. That checks off some other diversity box. So, you know, no matter what we did, we were people were going to yell at us. I'm like, no, no, that's not actually true. Uh, you know, the when you're talking about leads for non-white people in Hollywood, they're few and far between. And when you take a role that was designed for another race that is not white and convert it to white, it's you're taking away one of the few opportunities that uh, that exist for these actors and actresses out there. And superhero movies have done it quite a few times. Uh, they they did it with. Um, Bane from uh, 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 Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises. Uh, he's Hispanic in the comics, and instead he's some—I don't know what accent that is—but it's definitely not Hispanic. It's something yeah. Tom Hardy invented. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and you know, they've uh, uh, over and over again they've taken characters that are historically different races, and they've made them. I mean, the entire cast of The Last Airbender, um, pretty Iron, much the entire cast. Uh, Iron they, Man Three. Iron Man 3, they did, well, you know, the Mandarin, we, we talked about the Mandarin. I always thought, well, the Mandarin was so racially problematic historically in the first place. And, and the fact that the way that they wrote him in this was that, well, I don't want to give away stuff from Iron Man 3. I have less problem with that than I do all the other ones we're talking about. I think but, if, they, if, they, if they made the same kind of BS excuse about putting Tilda Sweden in it, yeah. um, that they tried to actually fix the Mandarin. Then it, I think it could have been it, the same thing. Well, they, they, the Band Aid was the uh, the Marvel one shot where they said there's a real Mandarin out there. But I mean, the entire point was that when you got down to it, Kingsley was never supposed to be the real Mandarin or a believable Mandarin. Even he was just you know yeah. it was supposed to be all dog and pony show, and and they just hired an actor. And the fact that he was so not the Mandarin was part of the joke. So I don't know, but um, yeah. you know uh, it didn't work. It, well, but anyways, uh, but. Well, yeah, when we're talking about uh, they, they changed the ancient one who has uh, historically been from Tibet, and uh, they made him uh, Celtic. They said that fixed it. He said, "Oh no, you, you misunderstand. We're not, uh, uh, you know, we're not taking a role away from an Asian uh, actor. Is that uh, is that now that this is a handed down position? This ancient one is from uh, uh, Ireland, I guess. So." Uh, and I guess you could th- – that there's logic there, I guess, but it's bullshit. It's just complete bullshit. It's just, you know, I, you're saying that, yeah, but we wrote it, so it's not Asian, so that's okay. No, that's not okay. It's a, a character from the comics that has been uh, Asian since its inception until today. 
and you changed it for the movie away from being Asian. And Ghost in the Shell is even more atrocious because it's based on uh, classic uh, Japanese manga and anime. And, uh, you know, they they cast uh, Scarlett Johansson as, uh, what's her, uh, Major... Uh, I'm, I'll butcher the last name because I don't remember yeah, the syllable. Yeah, basically name. they... So what uh, I read today is, yeah, it's it's it's, it's basically a Japanese. You can't get much more Japanese. No, you can't get much more Japanese. But I read today that she will, her character's name, will now only be called Major. Major. Of course, well, you know that's their their fix. But I mean the and when we talked about you know how uh, when we talk about soft bigotry, like we were talking about that a little bit in the in the toy aisle. The reason they're not pumping it full of action figures for little girls is that they're not sure that'll make money and they're scared, so they. They err on the side of screwing little girls over out of, of action figures. That's the same thing that happens in Hollywood when they're casting these roles. They go, well, Scarlett Johansson's going to put butts in the seat. We know that. She's a huge actress. So if we cast some Asian actress, there's no one even close to Scarlett Johansson's importance. So we're not going to give that opportunity to an Asian actress. And what they don't realize is because they're continuously denying Asian actors and actresses opportunities to be in movies, no one will ever be as big as Scarlett Johansson because you don't let them be in the damn movie. So you you got to give somebody a chance. And so, um, you know, there are, are, it's an untapped talent pool. You know, there, there are lots of people of color, uh, Asian actors, uh, Hispanic actors, uh, anybody who's not, you know, uh, named Norm Peterson pretty much in Hollywood (laughs) is sitting there going, God damn it. They just cast a movie and, you know, People like John Cho or uh, or Constance, uh, Constance Wu from uh, uh, Fresh Off the Boat. Fresh Off the Boat. My God, uh, I would marry that woman. I'm just saying right now because my wife probably won't listen to the podcast. I will marry Constance Wu <laughs> <laughs> if the opportunity comes up. Uh, so, so I, that girl's on my list. Um, but she is so funny and so talented. And you know, when you look at uh, there have been several black women that have won Academy Awards that then end up back on television. And uh, Angela Bassett ended up in American Story, uh, uh, American Horror Story. Um, I was trying to remember. Alfred Woodard has been back on TV. There have been numerous. Isn't back- Halle Berry on, on TV? Halle Berry's on TV now. She's, she was in, uh, well, what was she in? Yeah, Halle Berry did a TV show, and I don't remember what it was because it wasn't very good because that's kind of where Halle is at. But if you look at a white actor that wins an Academy Award, that just threw off like a rocket. And there are so many people of color that have won major awards, and you just never hear from them again because they don't get that opportunity to do something else good, to do something else great. So, um, yeah, I mean, Hollywood has a, a, a problem. I think it's... Not the kind of racism where it's like, I don't want, you know, black people eating at the dinner table with me. I think it's the kind of racism where it's like, well, you know, we'd, we, uh, the guy that gave me my job who was born in, uh, you know, 1948 says that white people won't go see movies if they have Asian leads. Uh, and uh, so that, and it won't make money. So if I risk all the studio's money on some movie with an Asian lead and it doesn't make money, I'll go lose my job. I know it's safe to pick a white actor. And that's what they do. They just been safe. Yeah. And but, you know, sometimes you just got to put your balls on the line to do the right thing. And this is definitely uh, the case. They need to start, uh, you know, betting on that that we're better as a, a people than the fact that we'll only watch white people on screen. Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy because you're, you know, somebody like Marvel and, and Disney who has been trying to be as diverse as possible. If, if, if you're not one of the top you know, non-white races, basically, you're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna see it very much. And because, I mean, you could not have gotten better 
like the two characters that really stood out in in Civil War were of course Spider Man, but the other one was Black Panther. Oh God, did they launch him so well? Yeah. Do you need a backstory? No, I don't need a backstory. Now, I mean, I, everything that you knew about him, you found it was and a great storytelling too. Great, great storytelling, visual storytelling, and um, and uh, like the the father relationship. Yeah. Just five minutes, intro, like barely five minutes. You knew everything you needed to know about them right then and you there. You got to give it up to the Russos for juggling literally like thirteen storylines right, exactly. and making them all work. And then all of a sudden, they you know the. BJ, what's the name of the guy that's direct, uh, directing the Black Panther movie? Oh, it's uh, Ryan Coogler, who did right. Creed. Yeah, right. he did Creed, and he did Fruitvale Station. Right. He's a great and, director. Yeah. yeah. And he's, he's, he's just knocking out of the park. Like, he's got... He's got all these A-list black well, he actors. Michael B. Jordan because he just follows him around. Right, much. but still, that's a great. Cast. Oh, he's one of my favorites. When he was cast, cast as a Human Torch, huge I was cast. so excited. I didn't know what the movie was going to be yet, but he was so he was so perfect for Johnny Storm. He's one of the Evans did a great job. It's one of the things that really worked in the original. Yeah, yeah. But when they cast Michael B. Jordan, I went, "Oh, he's going to be awesome at it," and he might have been, but no one knows because no one actually saw the movie because it was awful. Yeah, I mean that's that, I mean that's always the case. Like you take like great actors and actresses and you, you put them in them. and you put them in front of the camera with a bad director right and it just sucks well i, I don't want to say bad director uh, josh trank who did that did chronicle right before that which but that I was really only liked. one movie he it didn't was, have a history of great movies no i think that they took him on the basis of one movie and they just gave him no supervision he had never done a movie with that kind of budget they didn't give him any help i mean marvel that's why some directors leave like Edgar Wright is tired of them looking over his shoulder and saying why don't you do this why don't you do that but somebody like uh, uh, Josh Trank there could have could have really used that if he had had them helping him along a little bit and keeping him on path. I think you could have ended up with a better movie. <laughs> he probably didn't help too much with his mouth and his attitude. Either. No, he was well. By the they, I mean, it got done. It was they knew it was going to be a disaster. They took it out of his hands, completely re-edited it so it wasn't the movie he was hoping to make. Then put it out there, and then everybody pointed a finger at him. He didn't handle it very well, but uh, I think that's a situation the studio kind of created, and I hope that. He comes back, does some indie movies, proves his credit again, does something else, and just buries this thing and pretends it never happened. Well, Fox has been notorious with, or any actually any property outside of like Marvel and Disney has been notorious for just, you know, ruining movies before they even come out um, with with the decisions that they make. Um, well, I mean, you know, uh, got to give it up for Sony with Spider Man. They they proved that superhero movies work, and right before that, actually, I'll take it back. Twentieth Century Fox, same studio, did the X Men films which also kind of like made the modern superhero movie possible. And then they did Daredevil, and we're not going to talk about that. But, you know, they're, uh, you know, it wasn't Marvel right out of the gate that started making these movies showing that they couldn't no, be done. No, but, but for every Brian Singer, you get, um, you get a Tim Story. Yeah. You know, um, you know yeah. And, and you get more Tim Stories, you get more Green Lanterns than you do... And, and, and it goes well, back Green to Lanterns, that. That's Warner Brothers. They actually own the property. That's their own damn fault. Nobody yeah, like ruined but, their movie. <laughs> but um, but <laughs> yeah, with you time. know, but with what you're saying, with you know, going back to the the whole women thing is yeah. is you know, nobody's going to go see a, a woman movie. They all suck. I'm like, no, that's because you hired really bad people to do these oh, movies. Yeah. Like Catwoman is fucking terrible. Yeah. But it's, if you put Christopher Nolan behind the camera and you tell me he's going to do Catwoman, yeah, or or Joss Whedon is going to do yeah. Catwoman. I'm going to go fucking see that yeah. movie. It is hilarious. That is one of the things. It actually, when the uh, when the Sony email uh, hack happened, they leaked all these internal emails from Sony executives. And one of the things that leaked was Ike Perlmutter, the CEO of Marvel, 
had emailed Sony and told them not to do a female-centered spinoff of Spider-Man they were considering because female superhero movies don't work. This is the CEO of Marvel telling him this, and he made a list of, like, Catwoman, Electra. What's hilarious is he spelled Electra wrong. He's the president of Marvel. He doesn't know how to spell his own superhero. But Supergirl. And in every single case, though, you look at those movies and you go, they uh, had a no-name uh, director, a no-name scriptwriter. They spent a fraction of the money that they do on a movie for uh, a, a, a male superhero. And my point would be is if you spend a ton of money and you make a female protagonist and you spend a lot of money and you put a good director on it and a good script writer and you really work it with the studio the way it's supposed to be, you end up with Terminator 2 with Linda Hamilton That's what, or, or Aliens. Uh, or anything or, Jess, or uh, Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones. If you actually treat it serious and try to do a good job, uh, people will go see those movies. But the problem is you keep doing a shit job because you convince yourself they're not going to make money and that it will be bad, and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You right. just end up with a bad product because you didn't put any effort into it. It's like it's like the people who did Catwoman had never read a comic book. <laughs> uh, no. Actually, that is actually God. kind of fun. It's just so far out there. It's just like, yeah. I have no idea what they were doing. It's not as fun as Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin is my favorite bad superhero movie <laughs> with George Clooney running around in a movie that makes no sense. None whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Nipples on the bad suit, man. That's the best thing ever. Um, so right now we 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 want to get into what we call the big finish. So okay, we're just going to ask finish. you a few questions. Sure. Um, and right now, what is your all-time favorite character? Can be from any genre. Oh crap! That's a, those are, these are the kind of impossible questions. I'll name something, and then on the way home, I'll think of four other characters I like more. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just a, it's a bullshit question. I'm going to say it right now. But. Uh, let me think. I'm going to go with my because I've had it in my pocket for a long time. I was a, uh, a Spider-Man guy when I grew up. I I think there are a couple ways that people my age got into comics. It's either Spider-Man, the X-Men, or Batman. Those are the three. I'm Spider-Man. Mm. Uh, I loved Spider-Man awesome. because he was a hero. Uh, when you know when Batman goes out and fights crime and gets beat up and everything like that, he comes home to his mansion and has his butler make him tea and he fight, he sleeps on a pile of money. Peter just constantly he would be late girlfriends would ditch him aunt may's dying in the hospital he was paying real world prices like you and i would do every time he tried to do the right thing the universe kicked him in the ass for it and he did the right thing anyways and i really always admired that and loved that about him that he was the guy that did the right thing uh even though his life was so far from perfect so what uh, what kind of birthday gift would you have given spider-man what kind of birthday gift would i give spider-man um i'm trying to think of things that peter needs um you know he's a he's a scientific genius. Uh, he's um, I don't know, just a kidney for Aunt May. I guess that woman's dying. <laughs> <laughs> She's been dying for fifty, sixty years. Just, so uh, the so the birthday gift would have been for Aunt May. Yeah, well, hell, just one thing off his plate. <laughs> so, uh, so um, wh- what are you watching now as far as TV shows? Like you know whether you're watching it live or something. Is on it's on the DVR. What kind of shows are you watching? Right um, now? you know, I'm just trying to. We just finished up. I mean, you're hitting me right when most of the shows are just done. We just watched season finale of Flash. Uh, we watched Supergirl. It was a little uneven, but I'm. I, there's something there. I like Melissa Benoist as Supergirl, and I think Callista Flockhart is awesome as as Cat Grant. So you know, just tweak it a little bit. Get her, get her over with her friends in a better environment at the CW, and I think she'll do well. Um, I'm trying to think of the stuff that we're watching right now. Um, uh, heck, oh, we're watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Nobody's watching this show. It is absolutely fucking hilarious. 
I yeah. and and I just I read a couple of reviews on it that said it was hilarious and I went and got it and it's this bizarro musical the, she's completely insane she the woman that gets promoted to be a partner in a law firm in New York making half a million a year she has a panic attack because she doesn't think this is what her life's supposed to be runs out of the building and a guy she dated in junior high walks by and she decides I'm gonna marry that guy and follows him to California and moves to West Covina California <laughs> just like oh, wow this shit strip mall suburb of LA yeah it's it's uh two hours from the ocean well foreign traffic that's it and uh <laughs> Um, and she drops everything in her life to pursue this guy, and she's clearly insane, and everybody recognizes it but her, and they break into song all the time for no reason. It's very, very funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so here's a hypothetical for you. Let's say The Flash uh, loses his powers, which he did recently. Yeah, that was um, the dumbest gave... episode ever, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so, so, so he loses his powers, yeah. and he has to have a form of transportation. Yeah. Would, he perf- would he prefer... Kit, would he prefer Airwolf or would he prefer Streethawk? What was the last one? Streethawk. Street, sure Streethawk. Street which, which, which one was Street Basically, Streethawk was Kit as a motorcycle. Oh, was that the one from uh, with with Jack Black and? Uh... No, it was Rex. It was uh, Rex Harrison. No, this is like this is like eighties. This yeah, is like this is, what kind of what kind of nerd are you? Dang I can't it! I remember this one. This hey, is, I, I'm doing like, the obscure ah, pilot like that never George got made. George Clooney was in that. I'm I'm doing the obscure pilot that never yeah, even made G- it to air. George, Did you ever see George, the, uh, George Jack Cl- Black as an astronaut that's done, that has Owen Wilson as a talking motorcycle? Ben Stiller wrote the pilot. It was brilliant. Never got picked up. You can find it on the internet if you know where to look. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this one was in 1980 where everybody was trying to do something in a vehicle. Heat Vision and Jack. That's the name of the, uh, the, the, the pilot. You should go find it. It's hilarious. And then you could have I'll thrown it in the list. Um, okay. So, well, we're going to discard the one that I know nothing about. So we're down to Kit and Airwolf. Uh, I think he's going to be Kit. I think the uh, the ground-based speed is what the Flash is all about. Uh, I don't think he really wants to talk to the car, but he'd probably put up with it and think it's cool that they invented <laughs> something like that. So, so but I, I don't think uh, I don't think flying is really the Flash's thing. He wants that low to the ground, you know, racing along. He would probably thing. make it better somehow. Barry Allen's smart enough. Yeah, to Barry Allen's make very make... smart. Uh, he could make it less annoying and judgmental. What a bitchy little car kid was. <laughs> and his... <laughs> I could have Gideon in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then his evil twin was Car. Uh, yep. Night automated roving robot. Goliath was the big indestructible truck that they fought a couple times. Yep. Yes. You know, in Knight Rider, like the A-Team, when they built these, like, you know, they would, like, weld shit to a scooter and run around, run over bad guys. Nobody ever really thinks to go indoors. Just go indoors. Car can't get you there. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, I need to go meet him on the highway. No, try a mall. A mall would be great. <laughs> yeah, that's how you don't get bitten by Jaws. You don't yeah, go in the don't water. Don't go in the water. Yeah. When you're um, fighting Kit, just get the hell off the road. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, or fight him where you can make him go over speed bumps. Yeah, yeah, just something to you know really bottom out that hurt the transmission a bit. Uh, your top Game three, over. top three movies of all time. Top three movies of all time. Um, again, this will be something that I'll I'll, I'll rethink eighty times uh, on the way home. Uh, Evil Dead Two. Uh, nice. We'll just go with the cult camp classic. Good, good. Makes Sweet. me makes me laugh every time. It has just a l- enough horror in it to make you a little edgy at times too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really funny. It's unique. There aren't very many movies. Did you like see it. the TV show? Yeah, I did. It's okay. very good. Yeah, yeah, love it. I've interviewed Bruce Campbell twice. He's an awesome. Guy. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, we did an Evil Dead. Uh, we did an Evil Dead podcast. Yeah, it, it, but uh, yeah, Evil Dead to. 
the first one is is genuinely disturbing. It's hard to watch. Yeah. And the sequel has a, a ton of one-liners. If you're just in it for the one-liners, Army of Darkness is good, but it's missing something that it's not as scary. Not as scary. Definitely not as scary. Although it did throw in tits for no reason. There's just it's not, you're watching the movie and all of a sudden two topless women walk by. I'm like. We're so close to letting my girls watch this movie. Why is that in there? <laughs> so, you have um, to show them the USA Network version. Yeah, yeah the cleaned up. Yeah, version. there you go. Um, so okay, we'll do a couple more. Uh, Blade Runner, Ridley Scott uh, directing uh, um, Harrison Ford uh, as oh, a replicant. We'll see a sequel soon. Uh, yeah, watch. Uh, there's we're, okay. You guys have your Ghostbusters. You're not wanting to reboot. I'm like <laughs> Blade Runner does not need a sequel, but. Uh, it's a movie that the the ending is ambivalent on purpose you drive off and you're thinking is he a robot or a real person we don't know and that's part of it and they're like well we're throwing him back in there i'm like no you just shouldn't do that that's that i don't want to know what happens next because that's part of what makes the movie good but uh, we're getting it and maybe you know we'll see what happens maybe it'll be good but i'm not hopeful uh, Blade Runner just it's uh, I love film noir I love old you know I'll watch Double Indemnity with Fred McMurray or some of these like 40s movies uh, like uh, Maltese Falcon or uh, uh, you know anything with Humphrey Bogart playing a hard-boiled detective and uh, that was a modern updating of it in fact a far updating because they put they set a one of those uh, film noir movies in the future it's one of my oh, favorite Favorite science fiction authors wrote the original book. Uh, Philip K. Dick, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. It's brilliantly shot. The The world that they created for that movie, you could throw it in a movie today. It, the visuals are so amazing. It does yeah. not look like it was shot back then. It looks like... Yeah, it's great. It, it was groundbreaking. It was awesome. And, he, and he, he created the world that everybody after him uses for the future. Up until then, it was all kind of spaceships and everything. He was the one Akira, that, wasn't Akira affected by that too? Yeah. It's it's the whole idea that the future was going to be overcrowded, miserable, pollution, yeah. and we're all stacked on top of each other, that we're not going to create the Jetsons utopia that we're going to have, that, that all our big problems aren't going to go away just because we have more crap in technology. Um, and then the last one I'll do, uh, Brazil. Terry Gillum from Monty Python, uh, okay. directing Jonathan Price. It's a science fiction, oh, that's a good one. Uh, science fiction fantasy. Uh, it's interesting. Both Brazil and Blade Runner are ones that the studios hated and mutilated the ending of the movie, trying to tack a happy ending on it. <laughs> and much later, uh, you were able to get director's cuts where they actually restored it and, and gave you the depressing ending that I prefer. So um, <laughs> it's one of the it's one of the blackest of black comedies. It has you know a lot of the uh, uh, Monty Python guys show up here and there in it. Uh, Bob Hoskins as a gorilla plumber <laughs> in the middle of the movie. Um, it, you know, it's about bureaucracy that kills people, and you know. Uh, uh, it's really uh, a dark, dark comedy and one of the, a great movie that not enough people have seen. It's, it's really innovative uh, visually. Those are definitely three, uh, well, other than Blade Runner, those are uh, good, unique top three. Really unique. Gone. Very, yeah. very unique. Probably very the best ones. Uh, unique ones we've gotten so far, yeah. So, those um, are great. So we'd like to, we always like to give our, our, our guests interviewing a parting gift. Yeah. Transformers 2, you know, the second one, they really upped the... You, know, <laughs> you couldn't even say that with a straight face. I couldn't. I was like, it's, it's a mo- dark side of the moon. No, that's the... I don't even know which one it is. doesn't Sorry. matter. They all Sorry. suck. <laughs> they all suck. Um, somebody needs to, like, like um, 
like Joss Whedon or somebody, somebody big, like uh, needs to do like GoBots and just destroy Transformers. Yeah. Even though growing up, I preferred Transformers, <laughs> yeah. but I'm so sick of the Michael Bay Transformers that I would right now the only chance I have to see a good Transformer movie is somebody please go make GoBots. Yeah, I'm sure they're all over that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or uh, Vol- I mean, Voltron know, or something. The, like you know, Transformers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There's really no reason for these movies to get made. It's just people <laughs> that want to turn off their brains and watch shit explode. For a couple I can't hours. turn off my brain. I pay more attention to Transformers movies because I'm like, well, that's stupid. Wait, why did he just do that? That doesn't yeah. make any sense. I, the one I was really bummed in with like that it was uh, was Prometheus because I love the original oh, Alien yeah. Aliens. Yeah. Oh, uh, and, yeah. and I was saying, oh, Ridley Scott's back who did Blade Runner, one of my all-time favorites, and I love Alien, which he also did. And there were just, it wasn't, I mean, it was shot beautifully. The acting was really good, but there were just so many dumb things that happened in that movie. Yeah, yeah exactly. It just, I'm like, if they just made the people in the movie act smarter, like real human beings, that would have, yeah. it, it could have worked. And the, the fact that they were so boneheaded, the whole film really sank it. Yeah. The, yeah I mean, the only thing that was missing was like the gratuitous nudity shower scene in that movie. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I don't think it was. I don't think it was exploitative. I just think the script had no, no. I'm not saying it was exploitative. I'm just saying like stupid, dumb things you do in movies, oh, like, yeah, like yeah. in the, well, the know, slasher it, movies. I'm saying it's, it's a it's a really well made film based on a bad script. You know, that yeah, was that's yeah. really what it is. It's, you know, hey, I'm terrified of this place. Let's sleep in the creepy room with all the ooze and then pet the giant penis monster that comes out. Of the- <laughs> 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 I'm like, yeah, that was a good idea. <laughs> Oh, and he's the guy that had all the maps. Remember, he had yeah, the yeah, yeah, yep. map the whole place. He knew exactly where he was and got lost. Yeah, exactly. So we we like to give uh, our guests that are interviewing a, a parting gift. And sure. be, because I was at your panel, I knew that that Wonder Woman was one of your all time favorite characters. Yes. So when you had actually said yes to this interview, what was it like three months ago? About yeah, there? something like that. Something like three months ago. It, it took us that long to make this. Like get this gift for you to oh, to wow. make this gift. It took three months, <laughs> and because we had a really hard time putting it together. Okay, really difficult time putting this thing together. If it's a love doll, I can't take that home. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we, we kind of misplaced some pieces, and it had a really hard time finding these pieces. Yeah, and putting it together. So, so what we'd like to give you is a is a certified, chew approved, one of a kind. Uh, Wonder Woman Invisible Jet. <laughs> awesome. Um, it, what we'd like to do is for you to, we, we ask all of our guests to uh, explain what you're looking oh, at right now. Oh, a Sue Storm action figure too. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a little cross continuity, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could tell, if you could describe what you're looking at right now. Um, yeah. Okay. We're working radio, not television. Uh, we have a display case, uh, uh, Clear, transparent display case. We have mounting hooks to ho- hook the three points of the jet, you know, the front tire and the two rear. And, uh, of course, you can't see the jet. Uh, I assume it's in there because I've been told so, but it's invisible. <laughs> it, it's there. It's, it's there. there. Trust us. And it has a, uh, a, uh, um, a plaque on the front of it that tells you that, you've, uh, that, that it's the invisible jet, you know, so you make sure you know which invisible property you're looking at. So, <laughs> um, that's very My kids are going to think that's hilarious. So, <laughs> so, so John- we, we actually got this three months ago. Vic just found it today. Oh, well, so it was, good it, was it was he couldn't see it. That's why I kept no, canceling was... on you, not because I went into the hospital for surgery. Because <laughs> 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 I wanted you to have time to get the invisible jet just right. <laughs> Painting it was a pain in the ass. Yeah, I imagine. Um, yeah. 
So, John, thank you so much for doing this. I, I appreciate the time that you're taking uh, taking out of your day to do this. Um, I'm, I'm glad we got a little bit longer than we would have had if, if you had done it there because, you know, this this is important to us, yeah. uh, the, the discussion. Um, Absolutely. Uh, it's it's important to me for, for my girls. Right. Um, but that the, also the diversity as well because they're girls and they're yeah. not – they're not white. So, um, so, so thanks for taking the time and, uh, I really appreciate, uh, what you're doing for, uh, for the culture out there. You know, it's, it's great. And you know, it's, uh, um, I'm glad that this has kind of given me a vehicle to say these things because as a dude and as a white dude, you know, there's not always a lot you can say. It's just, I'm sorry. My people have fucked up for 200 years. I don't know what to do about it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, you know, that's how, sometimes how you feel. It's like, uh, but you know, uh, having two daughters allows me to talk about, you know, feminist issues a little bit. And then, you know, just as the community has grown and people, people were asking me, they're saying, there, are you going to talk about, you know, things like, uh, uh, ghost in the shell or the lack of representation for actors of color. And I wrestled with it for a while because I didn't want to come across as some white guy, you know, trying to tell people, uh, what to think about race issues, because that's right. a really dangerous place to be. But it's just too important to not talk about. And, you know, so absolutely, you got to be willing to get out there and stick your foot in it every now and then say something uh, that could be misinterpreted in order. Otherwise, nobody's talking about it, which is what has been happening and and what doesn't work. So uh, it's important to have those conversations. Thanks again, John. BJ, anything? Thanks, John. Uh, That was John Marcotte of uh, the website is heroicgirls.com. And uh, thank you very much for being here. No, no, no problem. Uh, can I put my pants on now? <laughs> yeah, please do. <laughs> Zip right. that sucker right up. I just, I don't know how podcasts work. But... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks again, John. Thank thanks, you. John. <laughs>